0: Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet, so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com with Gutter Helmet. You'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos on ninety three WIBC.
1: So let's rock. It. it is Friday Eve, Thirsty Thursday, whatever you want to call it. Here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Mindy Winkler, pinch hitting for Big Nige today. Nice to see you, Mindy. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. He finally made it. He finally made it there. Pete Buttigieg, your transportation secretary, former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, finally made it to East Palestine, Ohio. Now, it's coincidental... It's a damn interesting piece of timing, Mindy, that he shows up the day after Donald Trump arrives.
2: Right. Yeah. The fact that Trump had to be the one initiating this and it's been, what, three weeks?
1: Yeah. Three (laughs) weeks after the disaster where a train had a derailment, toxic chemicals were leaking out. There was an explosion. These went up into the air. We've seen the photos. We've seen Senator J.D. Vance going to the soil and the creeks and the rivers and using a stick to basically show you how polluted things are. Isn't
2: Arab Brockovich even there herself? Is
1: she? I have heard, heard I've heard
2: that, yes. So she's there. It makes
1: sense. <laughs> so for those keeping score at home, Joe Biden hasn't made it. Pete Buttigieg made it today. But Donald Trump beat both of them by arriving yesterday. Do you think Pete Buttigieg would have been in Ohio today had the orange man not made it yesterday? Of course
2: not. First of all, he had he needed personal time, and that's why he couldn't make it in the first place. And then oh, that's the only reason he's there at all.
1: So yesterday, Donald Trump showed up and he was talking to local officials, local politicians, first responders, buying... Big Macs for like the first responders and people there. They made a McDonald's pit stop, which is so on brand for Trump, right? (laughs) Right. right. Like, if you, President's Day was a couple days ago. If you told me, name two presidents that would stop at McDonald's, it's Donald Trump and Bill Clinton. (laughs) Those are the two. Like, I can think about Phil Hartman now on Saturday Night Live. Yes,
2: with the cheeseburgers he's running, the warlords.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Those are the two presidents that would be associated with McDonald's also donated some supplies. But Pete finally made it today. Now, take a listen to this. This is before things kind of got rolling today. Turning Point reporter Savannah Hernandez asked Secretary Buttigieg why it took him almost three weeks to finally make it to Ohio. If you're the transportation secretary, you should probably be there when there's a transportation disaster. But before Heat could do anything, his press secretary comes in, jumps in, saves the day, and makes it known that she does not want to be filmed.
3: Mayor Pete, why did it take you an entire two and a half weeks to actually get here to respond to East Palestine? Will you apologize to the residents of this city for the the slow response? To the government's slow response, do you have yeah, any apologies? Sure. I'm, I'm a sure. Press sure. Sure. So, can camera, can, can we ask why it took him almost three weeks to get here? I, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this on camera.
1: What was his personal time off while there was a tragedy I'm happy happening to talk here? To you
3: guys off and can camera. we also ask too why it, uh, you know, he waited until President Donald Trump came here to actually make an appearance? This is a very important question that people you, across America I'm would ha- like to I'm know. I'm happy to have a conversation with you. I do not want to be on camera well
4: please put your cameras
3: away i'm sorry we're on a public area uh so we are allowed as
1: press so the biden administration which ran on being transparent we're going to have a transparent administration doesn't want cameras rolling when the transportation secretary finally three weeks later makes it to a transportation disaster
2: right and isn't she the press Secretary for this That's kind of the point of you Is you're the press (laughs) So you're supposed to be addressing the press
1: And for those who don't know Turning Point is an organization Mainly college students And it's a conservative organization But they are accredited media So Savannah Hernandez finds Pete Buttigieg walking up to the scene And The press secretary is there And all of a sudden No transparency Here's a little more
3: and you guys, I would like you guys to turn your cameras off. You're not on I'm my happy. camera. Well, I'm on a con- camera. I would like your cameras to be off, and then I'm happy to talk to you guys. Well, if you are the press secretary of the secretary of the Department of Transportation, don't you think you should be able to ask questions from the American public that Absolutely. you serve? Absolutely. I would like to do it without the camera on. Please. Can I ask why? I think that is a
2: little bit aggressive. That's Why Why and is it aggressive?
3: It. It's because... He- why he has not been here until Donald Trump She's came. She's asked
4: him She's three, him. several times for them to turn the cameras off and they will not do it.
3: All right, y'all, so we are with the press okay, secretary for Pete Buttigieg and right now we are being told that we are not pocket, supposed my to my be question? filming.
1: Aggressive was the word that I heard there, Mindy. And I could see your eyes rolling right there. <laughs> What goes through your mind when you hear that the press secretary of the former mayor of South Bend says you guys are being too aggressive?
2: Yeah, you're being aggressive and doing your job and what the American public wants to know and has in their minds themselves and yet... You're being too aggressive
1: for me to answer this question. I'm old enough to remember when Sarah Huckabee Sanders would have her press briefings at the White House, people would stand up and chew her out. They would point at her. That one loser from Playboy would stand up and just yell over everybody. Right. That wasn't aggressive, (laughs) but the administration that wants to be the most transparent. Oh, we are all about transparency. You can't film anybody showing up to a major disaster? What kind of crap is this? Yeah, and I would think at this point, that's your whole point of being there, right? Is to let you be filmed. You're trying to be shown. You finally made it. (laughs) Roll tape. (laughs) Right. And by the way, did you see the pictures of Pete? Because he spoke at the end, and I've got some audio of that. But did you see the photos of Pete there on site in Ohio? I did not. He had like the orange vest on, uh, the safety goggles, and like the big hard hat. And seeing that guy wear the hard hat gave me really strong Mike Dukakis coming out of the tank (laughs) vibes. You remember what I'm talking about? I do. When Mike Dukakis, who was running for president, wanted to show that he was tough. (laughs) So he did this photo op where he pops up out of a tank and it looked like Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. (laughs) The helmet was way too big and he just looked like a goon. That's kind of the same vibes I got from Pete today. Let's hear from the Transportation Secretary. Sorry, Pete. Uh I just have a quick question. Uh, The American public doesn't seem to be very confident in your ability to do your job. Will you be resigning anytime soon? I'm not here. for politics. I'm here to make sure the community can get what they need. Will you apologize? I, to, so I, I want to be Will you apologize to the for the leaders, response, uh, um, for sense. the slow response, yeah, taking your time. one of the big things yeah. go in here and get away from this. No, no apology? Do, you, Do you think it was a mistake for Biden to go to Ukraine ask before Biden coming why here? He was able to go to Ukraine. So, it wasn't a real friendly atmosphere for Pete Buttigieg. Buttig- just Buttig- there today. As it shouldn't be. But did you hear the one person that said, you know, are you going to resign? His response, this isn't about politics. Well, then he goes up to the microphone, the podium, and makes it all about politics and basically blames Donald Trump for the whole thing here, which, all right, there are two facets to this story for me, Mindy, and tell me if I'm wrong. There's the accident itself. And there's the cleanup. Correct. Now, we can talk about the accident itself all you want. If you want to blame Donald Trump, maybe we can have that conversation. By the way, the report came out today that said it was an overheated wheel bearing that may have caused that crash. Okay. So whoever's fault that is, we can have that debate. But the cleanup. The cleanup is solely on one administration. When disasters happen, it's the folks in charge that have to lead the cleanup. And this is where the controversy comes from.
2: Right. Well, think about it. It's like accidents happen. Things happen. It's how you react to them and how you take action after that that makes the difference.
1: And by the way, people are ripping Donald Trump for going there yesterday saying it's a photo op and he didn't do enough because Donald Trump brought. It would water. never be enough. Right.
2: He could can hand, hand everybody a million dollars a piece, and it wouldn't be enough.
1: <laughs> he <laughs> donated some water and some cleaning supplies, and folks on Twitter, uh, real quick to point out that's not enough. He just did that because he wanted a photo up. So what's Biden's administration done? Where's the Biden photo? Right. Where's the Pete Buttigieg photo? Yeah. Nobody went there for three weeks. If it was a photo op, at least he was there to look these people in the eye and say, what happened here is unacceptable. If I were the president, we would do things differently, whether you believe it or not. Right. These people just wanted somebody of note. To, to care. Le- to care. To let them know that you're not forgotten. Right. Because it felt like they were. It took Pete a long time to even acknowledge what happened on social media or interviews. But he was on personal time with Chastain. So ridiculous. Jesse Waters, friend of our show that does the evening program on Fox, um, he talked a little bit about Pete Buttigieg's handling of this last night. The point is, you don't bother Pete when he's out on a date with Chastain. He's taking some personal time. Pete's off the clock. And you better respect that, even if it means people might get cancer. Pete's only going to East Palestine tomorrow because he got shamed into it. The White House can't afford not to go when Trump's out there having big Mac attacks especially since it took him days to even start pretending to care. you yes. just
4: have to ask, because it did take you a couple of days to respond publicly uh, or several days to respond publicly to this particular incident. Do you wish you would have spoken out sooner?
1: Yes, I was uh, focused on just making sure that uh, our folks on the ground uh, were all set. I oh, uh, okay. could have spoken sooner about what? how strongly I felt uh, about this incident, and uh, that's a lesson learned for me. Don't worry, Pete promises he'll care the next time there's a chemical explosion, as long as it doesn't conflict with his personal time. We know how needy Chasten can be. Somewhere, Adam Wren, who covers Pete Buttigieg, thinks that that's a great response. <laughs> oh, what a great example of leadership! He's Pete learned Buttigieg. from it. It won't happen again. Oh my! Did I mention that he was in the military and gay? Oh, just the best. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on
0: 93 WIBC.
1: Got a tweet from Jeremy at Hammer and Nigel. I'm totally playing the forecast highs and lows on a Powerball ticket. (laughs) I mean... It does sound like a, like
2: Powerball numbers actually.
1: 65, 25, 43, 31, 52, <laughs> 36. It's such a wide range of numbers. I think you should do it.
2: If you win anything, you need to tweet us back and let us
1: know. (laughs) Uh, Mindy, you were telling me during the break that you happened to watch the Seinfeld episode just the other night. Yes. Where Elaine had the poppy seed.
2: Correct. She didn't know that poppy seed muffins were what was causing her to test positive more than once. And she was supposed to get to go to Africa with Jay Peterman and she kept failing. (laughs) And then that's also the episode where they have no shower, you know, they have no shower heads not working or whatever. So here comes... Kramer. I need it. I need it bad.
1: (laughs) But going back to the poppy seeds, because this has kind of been a long-standing theory in stoner lore that eating poppy seed bagels can lead to a failed drug test. And a lot of people thought, oh, that's just something stoners say. But now the Pentagon... The United States Pentagon has basically confirmed that, yes, that can be the case. Why did it take 30 years? It's been on Seinfeld back
2: in the 90s.
1: It's the United States government, Mindy. (laughs) I'm surprised it was this fast, to be honest with you. In a memo to the United States Armed Forces, uh, the Undersecretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness says certain varieties of poppy seeds have higher traces of codeine than previously thought, He advises troops to avoid eating bagels and other foods with poppy seeds on them. And now Pentagon officials say they're taking a second look at all codeine positive tests from 2019 to current to make sure they're accurate. Quote, the amount of poppy seeds consumed, concentration of codeine detected in urine and time of consumption relative to the drug tests are important factors. For covid Really, I'm confused. Oh. Codeine.
2: Oh, oh, codeine, but it doesn't have anything to do. Okay, though, no. COVID too. No, I if like, you tested it...
1: positive for COVID, if you didn't want the vaccine, <laughs> you're on your own. We're kicking all those people out. He, we're not looking at anything I else. You were
2: saying you eat poppy seeds, and now all of a sudden it was causing you to test positive for COVID. No, too. no,
1: no, 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 so no, that, no.
2: That would not surprise me. But, but yeah, this this is interesting because the fact that
1: I just thought it was urban legend.
2: Well, I mean. I've heard that. I had heard it before, that having a lot of poppy seeds would do that. But it's, that's why I'm still amazed that it took this long.
1: It is interesting, though, that you say the word COVID, because if you look <laughs> at what the Pentagon is doing, if you are somebody that did not want to take the vaccine, screw you, get out, we're not bringing you back, and go to hell. But if you're somebody that's failed the drug test, well, we got to go back and look at the numbers. <laughs> we got to go back and look at the urine test. We've got to go back from 2019 to now and make sure... Like no, they were just really, too many
2: poppy seed muffins. Really going out of their
1: way to make the poppy seed crowd happy. But if you had a reason why you didn't want to take the vaccine, like, oh, I don't know, it doesn't work, uh, <laughs> there's no soup for you to use the Seinfeld reference. <laughs> now, be one hundred percent honest. Have you ever smoked weed in your life? No. No, really. I've done gummies. But that doesn't count. You've never, like, lit up a, a dube. You've never had a big doobie. Well,
2: does it count if it comes through another means?
1: Like you've hit a bong? Yes. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, that I don't counts like, I, don't, I, don't, yeah, I don't like the way it feels on my throat otherwise. <laughs> well,
1: you just broke the YouTube <laughs> chat. I can tell you that right now, Mindy. Allison, when was the last time, if ever, uh, you took part in a, uh, a dube? Um, I would say college Me too Yeah Me too And we're talking a long time ago for me now So we're talking over 20 plus years Right uh, But this leads us down a conversation of great moments in Doobies Where Chris Farley's character on Saturday Night Live Was doing the uh, motivational speech to David Spade Now young man,
2: what do you want to do with your life? Uh, actually Matt, I kind of want to be a writer Well, I'm freaking duh!
0: We got ourselves a writer here. Now, I wonder, from what I've heard, you're using your paper not for writing, but for rolling doobies. You're going to be doing a lot of doobie rolling when you're living in a van down
3: by the river.
1: I don't know what people call it anymore, but the word doobies just doesn't get used enough. Right. Like back in the day, everybody said doobies. Doobie Brothers. A Doobie Brothers. (laughs) Right. Hit machine, Doobie Brothers. But now you never hear anybody say, hey, come on over here and light that doobie. (laughs) Doobie is one of those fun words I would love to see back in pop culture vernacular. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's
5: audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I dot com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show.
5: Tommy Laren is no stranger to controversy.
4: I have a question for the self-righteous Hollywood liberal.
0: Fox News contributor, Tommy Lahren. Tommy. Tommy Laren. Tommy Lahren. Joining us right now, Tommy Lahren. Tommy Lahren.
4: Hey! Please welcome Tommy Laren. It's this country, the country that you have so much disdain for, that allows you the right to speak your mind. It protects your right to be a whiny, indulgent, attention seeking crybaby.
1: It's the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nigel is out today. Mindy Winkler filling in and joining us now on the drivehubler.com hotline. From Fox News and host of Tommy Laren is fearless on Outkick. Tommy Laren joins us Tommy sounds like Mayor Pete finally made it to Ohio earlier today I saw the photo of him with the big helmet on that didn't fit and it kind of looked like the Mike Dukakis popping out of the tank <laughs> picture uh just curious on your thoughts on what you've seen with everything involved with that chemical disaster in Ohio
4: Well, hey, listen, I don't think it's a coincidence. Donald Trump announces he's going to East Palestine, and then all of a sudden FEMA decides that maybe they should go, and then Donald Trump actually goes to East Palestine, and then all of a sudden Pete Buttigieg decides it is the, quote, right time, to finally make his trip. I mean, it's three weeks later, but I guess better late than never if you're actually going to do something. But the problem here is if he would have gone immediately, I would have given him some credit. I would have said, listen, at least he's there. He's showing support. Half of it is just showing up. But when it takes you three weeks and a former president to go there before you, I'm sorry, I don't give you a whole lot of credit. I don't give this administration a whole lot of credit. Joe should be there. He should have been there 10 days ago as well. So again, these people... Are poor white Trump supporters So you can see this administration doesn't think much of them And it's as plain as day to me
1: That's one of the things that we've been talking about a lot Had this happened in San Francisco Or Seattle Or Portland Or New York I guarantee you You would have had Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris They would have taken Air Force One there the (laughs) very next day Yeah
4: No, they absolutely would have. And again, if they can exploit it, they can use it for their purposes and they run there very quickly. Anything that they believe will get them votes and will garner them some kind of uh, attention from voting base that they need. But they know that this small town in Ohio, they know that it's a Trump town. They know it's never going to be a Democrat town. So they ignore it. But, you know, I talked about this on my show earlier today. It seems like it's really tone deaf and ridiculous that they don't show up to these kind of things. But if you look at the track record of this administration, when they ignore things, they get away with it and it largely works. There is a little bit of outcry for maybe a couple of days, maybe even a couple of weeks. But if you look at everything from the border crisis to the classified documents and the Hunter Biden laptop, this administration has a strategy. Ignore it long enough and it'll go away. And unfortunately, in every instance, they've been proven correct.
1: If this tragedy would have happened, like we said, in a Democrat city and Donald Trump were the president and he hopped on Air Force One and went to go meet with another world leader like Biden did with Ukraine, it'd be DEFCON 1 (laughs) on MSNBC (laughs) and CNN. But you're right, Tommy. They're going to skate. They're going to get away with this because 90 percent of the national media here is basically just an extended arm of the Democrats.
4: Oh, absolutely. And again, it would already have annoyed me that our president spent President's Day over there kissing Zelensky's butt for the 20th time. That would have already annoyed me. But when you've got your own people suffering, and I talked about this the other day as well, but here's what really bothers me about this. We all know this because we come from relatively a flyover state, if you will. Indiana, you talk about South Dakota, Ohio, all states that people don't really give a whole lot of crap about. Let's be honest, right? So we care right now, but what happens in two weeks when we, as conservatives, stop putting the attention and the pressure on fixing the situation in East Palestine, Ohio, those people are still going to have to live with this for months, for years, maybe even generations to come. And that's the part that really breaks my heart, because I know what it's like to be from a place that people don't really care about, and eventually the cameras and the headlines are going to go away, and these people are still stuck with this. And it is absolutely heartbreaking.
2: Tommy, I'm. This is Mindy Winkler. I'm really geeking out right now because I love you. Um, But someone that is consider you're welcome. As someone that Dom Lemon would consider past her prime, um, (laughs) I'm thrilled to be on here with you today. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the way he ripped Nikki Haley and other women like myself that we're past our prime and what he's you know the counseling he's now getting from CNN.
4: Well, here's the deal on this. When he said it and I heard it, I was like, wow, this is really cringy. But if you look at some of the things that Don Lemon has said, I can't believe that this was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, he is essentially called conservatives and Trump supporters, redneck, small town, ignorant. KKK supporting Nazis. So listen, his comment about women was insulting to women. It was sexist. But when you look at all the things that he said in the past, to me, the fact that this is getting so much attention, that is what quite honestly offends <laughs> me, because there's been so much more. But it just goes to show that even the people at CNN, they don't really care if he offends giant groups of people. But when he started to offend older liberal women, that was the problem. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's bizarre to me, Tommy, because it looks like Don Lemon wants to get fired, right? This is the quiet quitting that everybody's talking about. He wants to get fired so he can get a gig at the Atlantic or MSNBC or somewhere else. And yet this, this counseling that they're giving him just seems like a waste of time. Why not just send everybody on their happy way, cut ways with Don Lemon, and just move on? Why won't they do that?
4: Well, I don't really think they have a whole lot of talent at CNN to to count on. So as much as it seems like Don Lemon has been a problem for them, I mean, if you look at it, he is the name there right now. And you've lost a lot of their heavyweights, so to speak. So I don't think that they have room to start getting rid of some of their big names. They've already got dismal ratings. And I think sometimes controversy stirs up ratings. So that's why I think the whole pulling him off the show for a week, then bringing him back, I mean, I'm sure more people – Stay tuned to watch his return than they did previous to this whole scandal. And quite frankly, I think it's kind of smart of CNN to lean into the scandal because they need it.
1: Tommy Laren is our guest from OutKick. Tommy Lahren is fearless every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday, 7 o'clock. I'll admit, one story that I don't think I have done a very good job in reporting on is this church revival, the Asbury revival. We've had a lot of stuff in the news cycle, you know, sexy headlines. You know, we're talking about Chinese spy balloons. We're talking about disasters in Ohio. I'll admit, I don't think I've given this story as much time as I possibly should have, Tommy. You've posted about this on Twitter. You had this on your show the other night. What does this revival this Asbury revival say about religion in this country?
4: Well, I think that religion is making a slow but sure comeback. I really do. I believe that people are looking at this country and they don't know who to turn to and who to trust. And that's largely the government, the media, I mean, health officials, public safety officials, people don't know who to trust anymore because there's so much misinformation. There's so much division. And so I think that people have now been driven back to God. And it's unfortunate that it took this kind of a setting to get people to return to God. But I think people are searching and they want truth and they want answers and they realize, that the eternal truth is our Lord and Savior, maybe, just maybe, this is the revival, this is the great comeback, and I sure hope that
1: it is. And it seems like good stories never get the headlines they deserve. We live in a news cycle where if it's a sensational headline, if it's something catastrophic or a scandal... Don Henley wrote a song, Dirty Laundry. Dirty Laundry, (laughs) That's what it's all about. This is what's going to get the clicks and the eyeballs to the stories. But man, it feels like this is America. The folks that don't really give two rats asses about watching the news or getting on social media. This is America. And I think it's a great story.
4: So no, it's a fantastic story. And to me, seeing young people, I, I mean, that I think that's the biggest thing is we just keep hearing the statistics about young people moving away from faith and religion and the church. And the fact that we are really seeing so many young people that are gravitating back towards it, I think we need to highlight it because not everything is doom and gloom. You know, the sun is out today in Nashville, Tennessee. We still live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And I think that we do need to do a better job of reminding people that there is hope because there are a lot of people that have lost it
1: last thing here before we let you go tommy this kooky weird grand jury <laughs> four person in georgia doing a media tour in regards to the donald trump possible indictment this chick reminds me of like the stunt double from isla fisher and wedding crashers i mean she screwed up in the head there's something wrong there and she's doing a media tour what do you think about what's happening there
4: Well, it's so inappropriate. And again, you know, I'm actually doing my my final thoughts on this tonight on my OutKick show. But, you know, just watching her, first of all, it, it pissed me off. It pissed me off because it's quite obvious that she's not impartial. It's quite obvious that she takes some kind of a weird joy in the fact that she could be a part of prosecuting and ending Donald Trump. I mean, that makes her giddy and excited inside. But then, you know, watching her further... Something like you said is not right here. And I can't help but feel like she's being exploited in, in some degree by the media. I mean, I think that they're so attention seeking for something to talk about of Donald Trump that they'll put somebody that is clearly unstable on TV to do a press tour, even though it is completely inappropriate, just because that's how Trump deranged they truly are.
2: Well, and you'd think that that would be, they'd be thinking how this is going to hurt the prosecution, not help them.
4: Well, I think that they know the way the justice system works at this point. So whether the the Trump team can use this and and call for a mistrial because of it or use it in future litigation, I don't think that they think that that's going to be a real concern for them because they see what they've been able to do and railroad Donald Trump for years on false pretenses. So they are so brazen at this point. I I really don't think that they care. I don't think it even factors in.
1: Why do all these young liberals look the same? Like, every young liberal dude has got, like, the pube mustache, the the piercings, you know, a scumbag picture, and it feels like every single one of these woke activist liberals looks like this woman. Whether it's that girlfriend of Sam Bankman Freed or this kooky chick in Georgia, they all look the same, Tommy. <laughs>
4: Well, you know, Trump derangement syndrome is an unforgiving physical disease, (laughs) unfortunately. And I think we are seeing it manifest itself in horrible ways. And I just can't help but to feel badly for these people. I think what they need is a revival in their own lives. Come back to God. Come back to your senses. And maybe, just maybe, that will be the fountain of youth or the fountain of beauty, the fountain of something will return to their bodies and souls.
1: Tommy Laren is fearless on Outkick. Check out the show every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, seven o'clock. Get the latest trending topics, interviews, special guests. Tommy, I always love it when you come on our program, and I feel like I accomplished something because I got the word "pube" in our conversation today.
4: You know what? That is always an accomplishment. <laughs> I'm so glad that I could be here when you did it.
1: Tommy, you're the best. Thank you.
4: Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful day. It's
1: the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Mindy Winkler filling in for Big Nige. we got the YouTube stream up. Just look for that on the WIBC YouTube channel. Uh, we've retweeted it, at Hammer and Nigel. I don't know why, Mindy, but we get more viewers when you're here. It's weird. Aw. That's shocking. More people would rather see you than Nigel or myself. I don't know why that is.
2: Thank y'all. Uh, I
1: know you're an IU fan. Yes. You and your husband, big IU backers. My IU, husband backers.
2: IU Yes. <laughs>
1: You going to the game on Saturday up at West we, Lafayette?
2: No, we we went to the one where we won at Assembly Hall, though.
1: So, okay. Yes, but so, no, we're, we'll be watching it, of course. IU and Purdue this Saturday night, the rematch up at Purdue in Mackey Arena. But if you're an IU fan, today is a special date on the calendar. Only in Indiana would this day be a day that you would look at and go, I know exactly what happened 38 years ago today. <laughs> Happy anniversary, bob knight throwing the chair across the floor in the game against purdue
0: two shot technical against the bench and against bob knight steve reed an excellent free throw shooter will have the honor of shooting the technicals
5: look at here look at here
0: bobby knight just threw his chair clear across the free throw lane and i think uh Fred unbelievable
3: hits.
0: and bob knight is gone
1: 38 years ago today man I love the crowd
2: reaction they just go incredibly nuts my pet my, my husband has a picture of that in our basement where his Bobby Knight shrine is
1: <laughs> and what's great is sitting next to the coach is our pal Dan doki right and he's sitting there he's kind of got his hands like over his mouth doesn't even phase him and we've asked him about this before it's like we've seen crazier stuff happen before that that was normal <laughs> So, 38 years ago today, Coach Knight throwing the chair, and again, IU-Purdue, the rematch this Saturday night, a game you can hear right here at 93 WIBC. If you are looking for a reason to celebrate tonight, it's National Chili Day, Mindy. Yum. You a chili fan? I am. All right. So, the million-dollar question. Anytime somebody starts talking about chili, do noodles belong in chili? I'm
2: Absolutely, I don't like it if it doesn't have noodles, and especially the macaroni kind. I don't, because this is the, the kind spaghetti. of thing
1: that breaks up families. This <laughs> is the kind of thing where people fight about right. noodles belonging in chili and your team noodles.
2: Absolutely. I get mad if my husband doesn't put the noodles in the chili. All
1: right. I've got thoughts on this. Allison, hit my music. When in the course of events, we have to make a decision. Do we mix peanut butter with jelly? Do we put beer to bratwursts? Do we let kid and play do a movie together? (laughs) The answer has always been yes. So when the time comes and you have to make that decision, do I put noodles in my chili? The answer is yes. Yes. This is the United States of America. (laughs) Bold eagles are flying around. And it was Thomas Jefferson who wrote, in the Constitution, wow. you can do what you want with chili. <laughs> I'm really paraphrasing, <laughs> of course. Did you learn that at Beach Grove? That's a Ball State and Beach Grove education. Yeah, no do Ball State in there. <laughs> do what you want with chili. Put the noodles in there. Have fun. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Producer Allison is here. Matt Baer is back in the WIBC Traffic Center And Mindy Winkler, pinch hitting for big nides today. Mindy, nice to have you. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: We got a lot of stuff to get to, and they all have a certain theme. So let's tie it all up together, and let's do some legal stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. So it's been a busy news cycle. We've had the Ohio disaster. We've had things happening here in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Controversial things happening at the state house and whatnot. So the border and what's happening there might be flying under the radar just a little bit. But it warrants your attention because Title 42 expires May 11th. And this kind of came out a couple days ago, didn't get a lot of attention. But a change in what happens legally at the border is is in the works really in a pivot to tighter border enforcement the biden administration has issued a formal notice for a new measure penalizing asylum seekers who cross the border illegally and threaten fast-track deportation for those who break the rules so this is totally against everything that they stand for and have said before so what do we do with this information? On one hand, you could look at this and go, okay, they're going to talk tough but not do anything, and it's going to be business as usual. Mm-hmm. Or number two, this is some sort of focus group, some sort of group going to the Biden administration and saying, you're going to have your backside handed to you. In 2024, Uh if you don't do something about this border, because May 11th, when Title 42 goes away, if you just keep it like it is right now, it's going to be a mess and that's going to be bad for business. So which one do you think it is, Mindy?
2: I think it's the second in terms of he's doing this because he needs it for the election process.
1: This plan would deny asylum for those who don't first try to seek safety by claiming asylum in Mexico or any country that they come through, Mm -hmm. or if they don't use this app program that the Biden administration has rolled out. So for those of you scoring at home, the new migration plan relies heavily on people who don't speak English using the map and the cooperation of Mexico. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And Democrats are upset about this. You've got old nads, uh, Jayapal, Cory Booker, Menendez, Padilla, all your favorite TV. Well, yeah, because there's
2: constituents are going to be thinking, what's happening? We're all about
1: bring everybody in. Open doors. So one question I have for you, and I think you're a good person to ask this, Mindy. As a voter in a state that's not a border state, Mm -hmm. although one would argue all states are border states now. Elise Stefanik, the House rep from New York, tweeted earlier, border security is national security. So I get that. But if somebody that is living in Indiana, how important is what's happening at the border to you? So a year from May, you know, not this May, but next May when it's the Indiana primary and you've got Donald Trump on the ballot. Maybe DeSantis is going to be there. You've got some other names on there. Where does border security rank for these candidates for them to get your vote?
2: It's not at the top. I mean, I do plan on retiring in the South and maybe like, like to get it fixed before then. But right now, you know, I don't feel that affects me as much as inflation is affecting me. The economy is affecting me. Is it
1: really all just about the money? It to is. be honest. Yes. It's inflation, it's the economy, it's jobs, it's the supply chain issues. Yeah. And then I think you get into things like, for the Democrats, it would be abortion. For the Republicans, it would be what's happening at the border. And that's interesting, because this has the ability. If this plan doesn't go the way they think it's going to be, you think it's bad at the border now. May 12th, May 11th, it's going to be insane when Title 42 goes away, Mm. unless they kind of backtrack a little bit and, dare we say, do some Donald Trump-like things when it comes to asylum seekers. It's going to be interesting. Uh, More legal stuff here. The civil trial between the parents of Gabby Petito. She was the slain Florida girl who was killed by Brian Laundrie. And this was a high-profile deal. There's a civil trial going on now between the parents of Gabby Petito and the family of Brian Laundrie. Perhaps no pretrial decision is going to be more consequential than whether or not the, quote, burn after reading letter is going to be let in as evidence. Mm-hmm. Now, this is some fascinating legal stuff here. So it sounds like Brian Laundrie Had a correspondence with his mother. Right. And was basically saying what happened. And the mother all but admits she'll help Brian Laundrie dispose of the body, like dig and bury the body. Now, the thing is, the defense is saying, now, wait a minute, there's no date. ...on this letter. These two could be speaking of hypotheticals. This could be something totally unrelated. You can't officially state that this was about Gabby Petito because there's no date on the letter. So they want it thrown out. So now the judge is trying to figure out whether or not this letter has to maintain or be thrown out. To me, it seems like this is pretty cut and dry. But legally, if you can't prove... That that letter was about Gabby Petito, what do you do here? Right. This is some like T V drama kind of stuff going on here.
2: Right. Does it does it actually like mention whether it was an accident and he's here's how we handle it now? Or you yeah, what do I do, Mom? Or Well,
1: there is the burn after reading right. at the very end. Right. But there's no, you know, specifics of things like that. Okay. It's very vague, but it's there. So this letter, again, was written to Brian by his mother, Roberta Laundrie, and now she's kind of become the focus of this civil lawsuit because both parties involved are deceased. Gabby was murdered, and Brian, we believe, took his own life when they found his body in the, uh, the wooded areas of Florida. It's a fascinating kind of turn of legal stuff here. Mm-hmm. So, Mindy, let me ask you this, and I want an honest answer, 100%. You are a mother. Mm -hmm. I know your son, Garrett, going to Purdue now, college kid. I can't believe that kid is that old. I remember (laughs) him when he was real little. But would you help your son dispose of a body in a situation like that?
2: Is it, did he deliberately kill someone or was it an accident situation?
1: Does it matter? Kind of does. Does it really? Yeah. Why does it matter?
2: I don't know, because I guess when you're... So, if
1: he accidentally hit somebody and killed them with your with his car, or brutally murdered them in cold blood, that depends on whether or not you'd help him bury the body?
2: Well, it's I think it's in that moment, you know, I, I, you might, you know, right now I'd say absolutely not, you know, but there, in that moment, as a parent, you might panic. And, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I need to help my child. I'm I'm watching this show called Inside Man on Netflix right now. It's literally about that, about, you know, this guy's trying to keep his kid from going to jail. And that's, you know, you kind of step in as a parent, not thinking at times. And so maybe that was her her quick reaction was, okay, you know, but if if he's plotted this and this has been, you know, long time coming... No. Right.
1: If this (laughs) was cold-blooded murder, you have already failed as a parent because something has gone completely screwy with your kid here. Yes. But I think it's interesting that you say, if it's an accident, then maybe we got a ball game here. And you know what? I bet you're not the only one. I bet there's a lot of people listening right now that maybe they won't admit it, but in the back of their minds right now, they're thinking, if my son or my daughter called me in a panic, I would try to help them. Hit us up on Twitter. If you're brave enough, if you want to answer this question honestly, hit me up on Twitter at Hammer and Nigel or any one of our social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, the YouTube stream. If your child said, will you help me dispose of the body, would you help them or not? It's a dark question. It is. But I think it's interesting. Mindy Winkler pinch-hitting for Big Nights today. My name is Jason Hammer, and this is how we're going to do Is This Anything? I'm going to run some stories by Mindy. Mindy is going to break down all of the information, weigh out the pros and the cons, and give us a verdict. Is this story anything or not? Is this anything? Newlyweds out of North Carolina had to be rescued out of a broken hotel elevator by firefighters right after their wedding. Oh. Here they are talking about being trapped for two hours and then getting rescued out of the elevator.
5: When it first happened, I thought, oh, it stopped for a few seconds. It'll restart. And then I think we noticed that the door was just slightly
2: ajar. Elevator had a glitch. It had to happen with the groom and I both stuck in the elevator. So at least it wasn't just one of us. They harnessed me up, pulled me up four floors. We were not able to celebrate. Do a last hurrah and kisses and goodbyes. And that's that's what put the damper on everything.
1: So before we go to you, Mindy, is there anybody in the studio? Allison, we'll start with you. Have you ever been stuck in an elevator?
2: No, thank goodness.
1: Do you got a little claustrophobia?
2: I don't think so. Uh, Well, in the moment, I probably Yes. (laughs) Mindy? I know. I you no. Know, I have not, and I know I would get claustrophobia in that moment. I would be freaking out.
1: I've been stuck in an elevator before. What? I was DJing a wedding over at the Rat Scaler, and I'm I've got my gear with me, and there's about three other, four other people in the elevator, and it just stops. One too many people. Oh man! And I'm in there for about 40 minutes, and I'm starting to panic because I got to go DJ a wedding. <laughs> right. I'm on the clock here. You know, I'm getting paid. So finally, somebody came by, and they were able to get it open. And I just carried everything up the stairs, which was brutal. (laughs) But uh, yeah, being stuck in an elevator, it's no fun. And I was in there with some folks. And again, let me make this perfectly clear. I'm not a thin man. I'm not the fattest guy in the world, but I'm not a thin man. I was in there with some big boys. <laughs> oh, my. Well, you said
2: you had your gear, too. So that's, yeah. that's taking a yeah.
1: broom. So it it was pretty tight in there. And I would never have the luck of being, like, locked in there with, like, Kate Upton or, <laughs> you know, my wife and Mindy were in there. No. Oh. I'd be stuck in there with like Keith Olbermann and, you know, the guys on the back of the Guinness records book, the two fat guys on the moped. That's who I would get stuck with. So I turn to you, Mindy Winkler, the newlyweds stuck in the elevator. Is this anything?
2: It absolutely is something. I'm questioning if it was two hours, did they consummate the marriage? Thank you. (laughs)
1: Thank you. We I'm were like, all thinking it, right? Yes. We were um, all wondering.
2: Aerosmith, loving an elevator. Come on. I mean, that's oh. on everybody's fantasy list. Come on, be real. If that
1: wasn't their first dance, they did it wrong.
2: Exactly.
1: Like, go tell the DJ, we've called an audible. We've changed our minds. We're not going to have Brian McKnight. We're not going to have John Legend. We're dancing to love in an elevator <laughs> from Aerosmith. I like the way you think, Mindy. Is this anything... Here's what happens when uh, this mom found out that her 16 year old son only tipped $10 on a restaurant bill that was $104.
4: You need to go get my wallet. You need to go get my Visa card. You need to go to the ATM and you need to go grab a 20 and drive back to that restaurant because on a $104 check, $10 is a tip. Go now. I'm not asking, I'm telling. It's not funny. Do you know that guy might have kids? Do you know that 104 he gets taxed on it? You are to go grab my credit card, get $20, and drive it back there. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You don't know how to check.
1: That anything?
2: I love her. <laughs> <laughs> she is my hero. I, I would do the exact same thing. And then on top of that, I would make my 16 year old Goldwyn server like Waffle
1: House so they see what it's like. I'm so cynical, though. And I agree with you 100%. If this is legit, I'm all in. I'm so cynical about these things that go viral that they're all pre planned. Mm. Like, why would you just be recording the moment that your son came into the car or came home with the receipt and you knew how much it was? And there's a lot of Good things point. that smell fishy. Why here.
2: did you wait all the way till you got home? Wouldn't you have asked him when you got in the car? Right.
1: Like, I mean, clearly it worked. We're talking about it on our show, and this has gone viral. And this, I've seen this video on. All over the place, but I'm so cynical, I think everything is staged that I see on social media right now. I don't know if that's tinfoil hat or what, (laughs) but it just feels like that was orchestrated. Last one, is this anything? A 20-month-old in Canada was saved by doctors after spending almost three hours without a pulse and a body temperature that was under 80 degrees waylon saunders was found unresponsive in a backyard pool at a daycare center and here is the doctor one of the doctors that took turns performing cpr for almost three hours
5: There's not a lot you can do when a child is as cold as he was. In fact, he was so cold, we couldn't even get a temperature read on him. So we just knew that he was very cold and needed to be rewarmed. So that was one of the main tasks that uh, the team in Petrolea had to do. And the other was providing high quality CPR. The reason we kept going was because he remained so cold. And so prognosis was uncertain until we could get him to a closer to normal temperature.
1: Is that anything?
2: This is a miracle. i'm I'm concerned, you know, about the health of the baby overall and the you know brain damage potentially and other things like that. But wow. and the diligence of this team to keep doing it.
1: That's amazing. Sometimes faith is all you have. Right. Right. And imagine being a family member of uh, Waylon here. Like, all you have is faith. You're praying to God. You're praying for a miracle that somebody you love is going to make it out okay. Yeah. And three hours without a pulse, at some point, it's hard to keep the faith. Right. Right. But things like this happen. Yeah. And when I see stories like this, I always want to get these on the air because for the people that need faith, man, you need a story to back up your, your faith sometimes. That's and God
2: right there. This Hello. is it.
1: 100%. Yeah. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. In
2: youth, it
1: Interesting story. And the IBJ a couple days ago. Now, again, I'm not anti-IBJ. I actually like a lot of the work they do over there. I've got some friends that still work over there. I have no beef with the IBJ. But this story about crime on the decline, I have some questions about. So they have this story, crime on the decline. And they break down all the facts and numbers and facts are there. And I've got people coming at me on social media now because I talk about what I see in downtown all the time.
2: On a daily, pretty much.
1: On the daily. I mean, I showed you a video <laughs> before we came on the air today of certain things that I've seen. <laughs> Disturbing. Down here. Uh, but you look at some of the numbers compared to like 2010. And again, this is from the IBJ. They're going to say that all crimes are down. Nonviolent crimes are are down. Other violent crimes, it's kind of a seesaw, it goes up and down just a little bit. And I got people coming at me, you said downtown was a hellhole, rabble, rabble, rabble. Downtown doesn't have as many homicides as it has before. All I can tell you is what I see on the daily basis. Right. And oh by the way, homicides and manslaughters in Indianapolis have gone up the last 3 years. The last 3 years are the highest three years in the history the long history of indianapolis as a city that's the record the worst three years the last three years
2: oh and who's been in charge
1: right (laughs) so it's it's kind of a bizarre flex to try to come to me you said downtown crime was out of control the numbers say otherwise if you want to tell me that nonviolent crimes are down and theft is down be my guest but go have a conversation with the folks at Starbucks because Starbucks decided to close their doors on Monument Circle. And ruin my world. And ruin Mindy's (laughs) world because of the crime situation and what was happening outside of their establishment. Now, Starbucks, last time I checked, Mindy, was not some sort of (laughs) conservative-friendly barbecue joint based out of Texas. Yeah, I do regret
2: that I give them any money. (laughs) Is
1: the woke of the woke here. Yes. (laughs) So it just it's flooring me that people are coming at us on social media. Well, you look at these numbers. Crime is going down in Indianapolis. And that's the ridiculous claim that Boss Hogsett has. Well, we didn't set a record last year, so crime is (laughs) going down. We were number three all time last year. (laughs) That is such a weird flex to me. And then I started thinking about this. I'm wondering if this IBJ article is really just designed to carry the water of Vop Osley of the City County Council. Because he rolled out this downtown reinvention agenda. Mm. That's what it's called. The DRA, the downtown reinvention agenda. Now, Vop Osley, he wants to be mayor. He's probably next man up once Boss Hogsett decides that I'm done. He is probably going to be the next guy. I know Ryan Mears doesn't want to hear that because he wants to be mayor, too. But Vop Osley is trying to lay the groundwork with this downtown reinvention agenda. Okay, so what's in the downtown reinvention agenda? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Here are the things that they're focused on. Preventing crime, use of their budget to stop crime, and to get more people to come back downtown. Now, Mindy, why would a city that, according to the IBJ, has crime figured out, need to have a plan that highlights what they're going to do to fight crime and have a plan to get people to come back downtown? Why did they leave in the first place?
2: Right. And so let's use a media source to say, oh, we're making that kind of progress. So this is actually working.
1: Whether it's. You know the cost of operating downtown, what happened with coronavirus where people were told to stay home, or the crime. Tens of thousands of people no longer work in downtown Indianapolis, and that's affected a lot of business right. around here. Uh, these stores, these diners, these restaurants, coffee shops that needed the foot traffic of people doing business in Indianapolis no longer have that. But I think, like the folks at Starbucks, a lot of them decided, you know what? This city does not have my back. Windsor Jewelry, they did not feel protected when the riots broke out. A lot of these businesses down on the circle, when the riots broke out, these were Democrat businesses, donors to Democrats. They decided they're not going to donate any more money because of what happened. They were basically just thrown to the wolves while these lunatics broke their windows and looted out their stores.
2: Well, and they're probably thinking they're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. You know, it's the calm before the storm. Yeah, it's something. It's not might be as bad, quote unquote. Right. But not not to say that it could be right around the corner again because we don't have the resources. We're not. Ye- our resources aren't supported.
1: And listen. With downtown Indianapolis, when it comes to the crime, I'm talking about the main touristy areas here. You're not supposed to have these type of killings at tourist places. Right. Chicago is a violent city. But for the most part, when you go on like there are touristy areas, it's okay. It's mainly the south side of Chicago that's a problem. When you walk up and down the Las Vegas Strip, you probably feel feel pretty safe when you're in front of the Bellagio Fountains. Right. When you go to New York, there are some things in Times Square, but you feel pretty safe, for the most part, in Times Square. Right. Here in Indianapolis the last couple of years, I remember a Wild West-style shootout in front of Steak and Shake. (laughs) Right. I remember the three Dutch nationals, that were shot, two of them killed in front of the Hampton Inn. There's a reason why police cars have to be on Monument Circle on the weekends and that part of South Meridian where Tiki Bob's used yep. to operate in those bars. And why bar owners like that are pulling out. They're like, we're done. We're tired of dealing with it. Right. There's a reason those happen. These are our touristy areas. The canal. When we hosted all of March Madness a couple of years ago, a broadcaster from one of the other teams, I believe it was Oregon State got assaulted on the canal. Wow. This is a problem with Indianapolis, but some of these progressives, some of these woke folks on Twitter, they want to tell you that everything's fine. No, it's not fine. I get there are murders on the east side. There are murders on the south side. But you're not supposed to have these types of things happen in high-profile tourist areas. Other cities do this so much better than Indianapolis. And it goes down to the leadership. of mm-hmm. Boss Hogsett, it goes to Ryan Mears, your prosecutor, locking up habitual bad guys. People who should never be back out on the streets should be locked up. Right. But they're not. They get hit with a detention bracelet. They go out, take it off, and they commit more crimes.
2: Well, when we had the Super Bowl here, people commented how safe they felt while they were here. Right. So that's proof right there that that, this administration has caused
1: this decline. And one of the things that always cracks me up is we always get like the smart ass that'll send us a message. I'm having a beer outside on Mass Ave. I don't (laughs) see any violence right now. You're not supposed to. (laughs) You're not supposed to. But I'm telling you, when the sun goes down in this city, something happens. Because I walked around Monument Circle earlier today. I like to do that before the show. And when the sun is up, downtown can be a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. You see people walking up the stairs of the Soldiers and Sailors Monument. Uh, Families, you know doing field trips down there with their schools and stuff it's awesome because that's the kind of stuff that i used to do when i was a kid i want people to have that same feeling of indianapolis but man when the sun goes down what was it houdini that said the freaks come out at night the freaks come out at night and that's when the temperature changes like that in the city i
2: can tell you i would not be doing my hank show from 7 p.m to midnight if i we didn't have a parking garage Yeah, I mean, there's no way. And my husband wouldn't allow it either.
1: So this uh, downtown reinvention agenda from Vop Vop Osley, um, this is basically his plan to say, please come back to Indianapolis. I want to be mayor. Please, for the love of God, come back to this city. We need you working. We need more money here. And uh, by the way, we'll also make it safer for you. Will that make you feel any better? It's so crazy. All these people on social media. Well, well, downtown is safe, according to the IBJ. Okay. Then why is so much money being spent on law enforcement down here? Why are police officers on the circle and up and down South Meridian all the time? Right. Why are these things happening in our high profile tourist areas? Not necessarily back alleys. Like, you know, yes, that happens. Right. But I'm talking about the high profile tourist areas in the city. We're seeing action there now, and that's why you've got people like Vop Osley putting out this plan, which goes against some of these Twitter trolls that I deal with on a daily basis. All right, I got a question for you, Mindy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play you something from Andrea Mitchell here in just a moment. And I want you to tell me if this is an apology in your opinion. So last week, you had NBC's Andrea Mitchell. She claimed that Ron DeSantis was against teaching slavery to kids in schools because he banned the African-American studies class.
5: What does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida school children?
1: So first of all, That was a complete lie. And secondly, the reason African-American studies was banned by Ron DeSantis was there was a big section in this class called Queer Theory. And the governor of Florida said, we're not teaching sexual things to kids. No matter how much you lunatics want to, we're not teaching sex to kids. They tried to be slick and hide it Mm -hmm. under another name of a class. But he found out and said, no, we're not doing that at no point. Did Ron DeSantis say we're not teaching slavery? So she got called out. She got busted on it. And tell me if this is an apology, in your opinion.
5: And a postscript. In my interview last Friday with Vice President Harris, I was imprecise in summarizing Governor DeSantis's position about teaching slavery in schools. Governor DeSantis is not opposed to teaching the fact of slavery in schools, but he has opposed the teaching of an African-American studies curriculum as well as the use of some authors and source materials that historians and teachers say makes it all but impossible for students to understand the broader historic and political context behind slavery and its aftermath in the years since.
1: So she clearly got called out. Mm-hmm. She clearly lied. Does that work for you as an apology?
2: No, because she still did not catch the point of why he was pulling that out. There's the trickery they were using and the ruse of this instead of, you know, he's not saying, and the fact of slavery. No, he was he's not saying that they cannot teach about slavery at all. He's saying this was a, a, a plot and I'm not gonna stand for it.
1: Imagine if you're somebody that doesn't follow the news cycle as closely as we all do. And you're home, you've got, you know, dinner on the table, you know, you just got home from work, the kids, you know, are at home, your wife's at home, you turn on the news and you see Andrea Mitchell, Ron DeSantis, wants the outlaw teaching about slavery. Like, that is so misleading, and that is so wrong. Right. It's a bald-faced lie, is what it is. But people who don't follow this stuff would think, well, what the hell's wrong with Ron DeSantis? And that is the problem with our national media in this country. Right. It's all one-sided. Now, listen, Fox does their fair share, too. Mm Mm-hmm. But you've got to do your own research when it comes to this. Do you really think a guy in his position is going to walk to the microphone? Hey, listen up, everybody. Uh... We're not teaching slavery. Good night. And that's the dumbest thing ever. Right. Sometimes you have to say things out loud before you realize how stupid it really is.
2: Well, it's because responsible journalism is out the window. It doesn't exist anymore. It's, let me just, I found, I heard something. Let me throw it out there, whether, and instead of actually doing the research to make sure it's accurate.
1: And I'm glad you bring that up because Andrea Mitchell is supposed to be one of their- The top ones. Journalist, yeah. fair and balanced news people. Right. There's a difference between what Rachel Maddow does and what Andrea Mitchell does. There's a difference between what Tucker Carlson does and what Brett Baer does. Some people get paid to give their opinions. Some people are the news. Right. But you've got Andrea Mitchell here trying to cross both lines and she got caught on it. It's the hammer and
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you
1: nigel show i'm jason hammer mindy winkler is in for big nige so mindy i want to do something that i think it's going to make all of us feel old i'm going to play you some songs that turn 30 years old this year
2: great
3: okay
1: I these are songs it is. i don't need help <laughs> that turn 30 years old this year your job is to yell out the name of the artist if you know what it is
2: okay okay what if i don't know the artist but i know the song
1: That'll work too. Okay.
2: What is love? Oh, Cataway. Yes. <laughs> no.
1: All songs 30 this year.
2: <laughs> wow. Uh, tag Team. There it is. <laughs> uh,
1: Inner Circle. Okay. Theme of Cops.
2: Yes. I'm Jim Blossom. Yes. <laughs>
1: In Ukraine. <laughs> Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill.
2: 10,000 Maniacs or no? Proclaimers. Proclaimers. SWB? Yes! <laughs> nice! I'm impressing myself right now. Oh, Salt Pepper.
1: <laughs> yes. All songs 30 years old this year. When
2: I was in college, baby. <laughs> Oh I, I, uh, oh, I know. Uh, snow. snow! Snow, that's it! It's the it's Hammer like it's and like Nigel
1: ice. Show. It is the Hammer and sometimes Nigel Show. <laughs> Hammer or Nigel?
2: Hammer and friends. Hammer and friends.
1: <laughs> I'm Jason Hammer. Uh, Big Nigel is out. Mindy Winkler, pinch hitting for Nigel today. Thank you very much. Hey, real quick question for everybody in the room. Raise your hand, who wants to get lied to? Ooh, me, me! (laughs) Well, Kamala Harris, come on down, (laughs) because the vice president claims that Joe Biden has reduced heating and electricity bills so people can have more money in their pockets.
5: Every day, Joe Biden and I talk about and work together with our partners, like former leader Hoyer, current leader Hoyer, Um, to lower the cost for the people of our nation, because you are a leader. For working families, we have reduced heating and electricity bills. So folks have more money in their pocket to buy things like school supplies, replace the dishwasher, or take a family
1: vacation. So I have a question for you, Mindy. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell is she talking about? I have no
2: idea. (laughs) First of all, how would he have done this? And second of all, I'm sorry, I haven't seen it. (laughs) Is it only certain areas?
1: So I went back and dug up some numbers here. Electricity is up 11.9%. Fuel oil is up 27.7%, mm. and natural gas is up 26.7% over last year. It's almost like this moron doesn't think we have the internet and the ability to look up information.
2: Right. I'm just laughing because I'm trying to picture, she said, we get together and talk every day, and I'm thinking, this, what, what what's that conversation like? <laughs> <laughs>
1: In my mind, Joe Biden's sitting there and he's he's got his tidy whities on and he's got pudding all over his face and he's got a coloring book in one hand and the remote control in another and he's watching Matlock and Kamala Harris is just cackling for five Correct. minutes. That's how that meeting played out. But at this point, like seriously, they're not even trying to like doctor up the numbers. They're just flat out lying to right. you. There's no way that people could say you've got more money in your pockets when you look at the numbers in regards to what's happening at the grocery store, what's happening with electricity, what's happening with travel, what's happening with pretty much everything.
2: They think we're stupid. They really do.
1: But then again, 81 million people did vote (laughs) for them, so maybe they're they're onto (laughs) something here. So in honor of Kamala Harris just completely being full of crap, it's time to do another edition of Great Moments in Lying. The Hammer and Nigel Show presents great moments in lying.
4: If you like your plan and you like your doctor, you keep your plan.
1: Great moments <laughs> in lying. Oh, that lie right there cost a few people some jobs. Right. If I'm not, uh, <laughs> if I'm not wrong, uh, the Wall Street Journal has a story out that, well, it's just a good feeling story. It makes you feel good. It makes you want to sleep well at night, Mindy. <laughs> Attacks on the U.S. power grid up 71% this past year. Wow. 71%. According to the Electricity Information Sharing and Analysis Center, a division of North American Electric Reliability Corp., the number of attacks on power grid infrastructure soared last year by 71% due to a series of physical attacks in the Southeast midwest and pacific northwest according to the report manny cancel who is the ceo of the division that has compiled the report told the wall street journal quote there seems to be a pattern where people are targeting critical infrastructure probably with the intent to disrupt
2: Hmm. probably
1: <laughs> this is where the united states i think is vulnerable like, we keep talking about World War Three and China and Russia. You want to know how to really get over... Oh,
2: we're self-destructing.
1: ...on the United States? <laughs> yeah. Take out our power grid. Uh-huh. And it seems like it's pretty vulnerable. Because think about how much this country relies on the internet and Wi-Fi and electricity. You eliminate that kind of stuff. Cell phone coverage. Right. Cell phone towers. You find a way to permanently damage that or damage it to the point to where another attack could come afterwards this is where the united states is vulnerable mm-hmm. absolutely a uh fury of european diplomatic activity over the weekend early this week as well um this is in regards to the russia ukraine war President Joe Biden making that surprise visit to Ukraine, uh, kissing the boots of Zelensky. Offering up the farm. Probably getting his uh, kickback because, you know, the big guy has to get 10%. Uh, One of China's most senior diplomats was heading to Russia. So while we've got, you know, basically a corpse in a suit going over to Ukraine, (laughs) China sent one of their badasses over to Russia to have some conversations. Yikes. Yikes. This was uh, President Xi's senior foreign policy advisor, and he gave one of the strongest indications yet of Russia and China's kind of bromance that they've got going on right now. Quote, we are ready to deepen our strategic partnership. This is according to uh, Reuters. Other countries cannot put pressure on our relations. And you know what? He's right mm-hmm. because right now there's a weak man that's inside the White House. Right, there's no sign of strength from Joe Biden. He can't walk upstairs without taking a tumble, and the rest of the world sees this. Right, you know we laugh at it, we think it's funny, but the rest of the world sees this. They're not scared of the United States. This is why all these countries are getting squirrely right now.
2: Absolutely, and it's the and that's just it is the fact that where those two in particular combining efforts. That's the scary part. That's where we're talking World War III. That's a a power. I mean, that's power right there. And
1: this will be spun by the folks on the left, the Biden supporters as... Well, this is why we have to keep funding Ukraine because we can't have Russia grow in strength and we can't have Russia get strong and ultimately partner with China. We better keep sending those blank checks to Ukraine. Meanwhile, that becomes their scapegoat for all of the failures that the administration has had. Right. From an economic standpoint, from a supply chain standpoint, Joe Biden right now can blame everything on Putin. If somebody knocks up one of his family members, (laughs) "Eh, war in Ukraine. (laughs) Because Putin, everything gets blamed on that right now and people go along with it because you've got folks at MSNBC and CNN that – will agree with it. Joe Scarborough loves what's going on right now. And there are some Republicans do, too. They're not off the hook here. Mitch McConnell, he's another one that loves what's going on. Brian Kilmeade at Fox, he's another one that thinks we have to keep funding this endless war that the United States is not a part of. Right. Now, if you want to have a conversation about humanitarian aid, we can do that. I'm all about helping the refugees over there get their life back together. That's money we can debate about, but sending them tanks and sending them things to fight this war and funding their pensions, that's where you have to draw the line. $200 billion, roughly, spent on this war with Ukraine. Think about what just a fraction of that money could do for the United States. Right. If you just cut it in half, let's just say half, $100 billion, they told Donald Trump his wall idea for 5 billion was laughable. We're not going to spend 5 billion dollars on a wall. Now look what we're just giving Ukraine right now. This is the problem, but nobody wants to talk about this that has a spine in the Republican party. And when I when I'm talking about is the leadership. Right. Right, you're going to hear guys say, "Wait a minute, what's going on?" people like Jim Jordan and so forth. But Mitch McConnell Kevin McCarthy, you guys have the microphone. You guys have the power right now. But they don't want to have any part of saying this is bad. Because if you say that I'd rather have my money stay in America, well, you must be a Putin lover. You
2: don't care.
1: You don't care. You must want Russia to win. You must like Vladimir Putin. No. I've made this perfectly clear. I hope Vladimir Putin dies tomorrow. But I also don't want all of our tax dollars going to a country that doesn't even really like us. Right
0: you're listening to the hammer and nigel show on 93 wivc
1: shout out to mindy winkler who not only showed up to fill in for Nigel today But you brought some beers with you.
2: Heck yeah, always. I'm always prepared.
1: (laughs) Usually it's me that volunteers to give, you know, the guest a beer or two. But you pulled a power move and said, no, I got this.
2: Yes. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. For that.
1: Uh, Mindy's in for Nigel today. A family is getting heat after posting a theme park hack on TikTok. Now, Mindy, do you do the TikTok? Are you on TikTok?
2: No, I'm not on it. I'll watch occasional funny videos, but no.
1: Same here. I don't have an account. Hammer and Nigel doesn't have an account. Uh, My wife has an account, but just watches videos on it. Um, So this family posted a theme park hack to TikTok, which involved using raised up shoes so their son could be tall enough to go on the rides at Disney. What? Here is the father of the Kelly family breaking down how they made their son, Cannon, taller so he could bypass all of those silly safety restrictions.
4: Meet my son, Cannon, our thrill-seeking boy who can't get enough of Disney theme park rides. The only problem, you ask? He's just not tall enough for the big ones. But we didn't want that to stop him from feeling the rush, so we took matters into our own hands and crafted a shoe that just might do the trick. With the help of towering heels, extra flip-flop bottoms, and some Gorilla Glue, we possibly discovered the ultimate theme park
1: so, a question we often ask on this program: Are you okay with this?
2: No, I'm not okay with this. Those are in place for a reason. There's safety issues. I was that short kid in elementary school, that, and I was a thrill seeker. My parents took me to Kings Island. They had to pay this full price, and I couldn't ride, you know, the Screaming Demon and all the big rides back then.
1: Even when you were a little bit older?
2: Y- yeah, I mean, it was like I was probably 12, and I couldn't ride them because wow. I was too short. And, and then all of a sudden, I got a growth spurt.
1: Like, I wonder, could Tom Cruise and Kevin Hart get on these rides now? (laughs) Like, I wonder if they would be allowed to get on some of these rides. Are they tall enough? Because they're short dudes.
2: But then there's limitations if you're too tall, too. I have some friends that they're too long and their feet will hit.
1: See, that would scare me more than anything. Same. (laughs) You don't want to be decapitated or have your feet, you know, get knocked off. That would be scarier than hell. Has anybody in this room, Allison, Mindy, have either of you ever been stuck? on a ride, like at Kings Island, Disney, Allison, you ever been stuck?
2: Yes, King's Island on the Beast. We were going up the hill, but it was actually a nice fall day, so I just enjoyed the view for like 15 minutes.
1: Were you stuck like at the top part or just on the ascend up?
2: On the ascend up. Okay. So it wasn't bad.
1: So that's not too bad. You were in like a regular seat position. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Mindy?
2: It was also the Beast, but I was out there on that turn part, and it was dark. And we were out out there for two hours. It was horrible.
1: Two hours. Two
2: hours. So I was there with a show choir and we, um, thing, and they were letting us have the park to ourselves. It was just the river area. So the big one there is the beast. And we were stuck out there. We were asking to order pizza because we were starving. <laughs> we were literally chanting. Were you like
1: crooked or anything? Were you we're like... We were
2: like angled, yes. Oh, so it was like, oh for two time. hours. Thinking two hours. It. And the gal sitting next to me was not thin.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So,
2: yeah, my ribs hurt for a few days. Oh, so. wow.
1: Yeah, that's way worse than mine, I think, because of the time frame. I got stuck on a ride at SeaWorld. We went down to Orlando. We did, like, all of the theme parks. We did Disney, and we did this and that. So SeaWorld was last on the list. There was this ride where they strap you in, but then they tilt you forward. So it's kind of like you're Superman and oh. you're flying. Well, the ride comes, like, toward the end, and I hear this, and it gets stuck. It's, like, 95 degrees. It's hotter than hell, and I'm, like, face first, like— two feet away from the concrete. Blood's rushing to my head. I'm uh, fat. I'm hungry. It's awful. This was only for about 20 minutes or so. But to be in that- That would have felt like eternity, though. Superman-type position yeah. where you're dangling and your face is looking straight at concrete. It's hot. Sweat's pouring off my head, man. Did you have, man. like, a little puddle by the time you were Dude, dying? I could see it dripping off my head. Ow. I was looking like Shaq at the free throw line, man, because- <laughs> It was a hot day anyway, but now I'm angry, I'm a little concerned, blood's rushing to my head, my kids are the same way, you know, they're handling it better than I am at this point, but, oh, got a headache, it was awful, Oh, just awful. Uh, Allison, hit me with a little booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd, one by one. We are going to booze news, because it's really fun.
3: Once it hits your lips
1: we've been talking a lot about what's happening at the indiana general assembly tennessee is having theirs as well and a bill that's currently at the tennessee legislature would allow police officers in the volunteer state to carry weapons while under the influence of booze or controlled substances, unless they're at a school. So if you're a law enforcement officer in Tennessee, You could be hammered drunk. You could have all the cocaine on your (laughs) nose looking like Scarface sitting there at the table. You would be allowed to have your weapon. That sounds safe. But you can't take it into a school.
2: (laughs) Okay. Thanks for that restriction.
1: (laughs) Like, on one hand, you know, law enforcement, they probably deserve a few perks because, honestly, your job description is running to dangerous situations and sometimes being shot at. Right. I understand that. But I don't know if we want to put it into record, into law <laughs> yeah. that states you can just get blotto. You can get ridiculous to the point where you're almost wetting your pants and still have your weapon available at all times. Right. <laughs> Might be one of those unwritten rules. Like, we're yes. not going to put it down. We're, we're not going to write it. We're
2: going to turn the other way. You're right. right.
1: <laughs> but there was one senator that's like, you know what's the problem around here? Our drunk officers don't have their guns. <laughs> I, as a senator, am going to change that. (laughs) Like, I would love to see that commercial, to be honest with you, because I bet he would win going away. (laughs) There's a new thread going around social media where people are sharing everyday activities that they've been doing wrong for years. So one of the ones on the list here is you are supposed to take the silverware basket out of the dishwasher to unload it and then put it back in.
2: Well, my husband's been doing that for years, and it drives me nuts. He I just reach down dumps, to pick it up. So he just dumps it into the drawer, and <laughs> <laughs> so I have to rearrange it.
1: <laughs> uh, here's one. Don't waste celery. If your celery goes bad, goes limp, loses its crunch in the fridge, soak it in water overnight, and it revives the celery.
2: Interesting.
1: Never knew that. No. Um, did you know this one? How does that
2: work though? When you put it in soup, it doesn't like revive and that's basically water.
1: I don't know. (laughs) Need to get Dr. Fauci on the hotline. (laughs) We need science and he is the science. So we need to get him on the hotline. Did you know this one? Sliding your thumb on the space bar of your phone will move the cursor. So if you oh. slide your thumb on the space bar of your phone, that will move the cursor if you're having problems with it. Okay. To open a beverage can with a tab that's flush with the top, just push down on the hinge of the tab, and it'll raise up the other side.
2: Oh, that's good to know with us ladies that have nails.
1: See? Stop. There you go. Okay. Um, Rinsing your hair with hot water will leave your hair frizzy and dry. You're supposed to rinse it with cold. Bingo.
2: I learned this from my health teacher, Mr. Crouch, in Manassas High School in ninth grade. And um, transitions, uh, We Grow Hair Indie confirmed it. Really? Yes. They were like, oh, absolutely. You're supposed to rinse your hair
1: with cold water. To wrap a towel around your waist after a shower, don't tuck it inwards. Fold it outwards and down because it becomes more secure that way. Oh, I gotta try this tomorrow. To open bananas, you're supposed to do what monkeys do and open them from the bottom because it's much easier that way. Hmm. So these are just little hacks how, though, that don't we've been doing how that's wrong. Easier. Hmm. The inside shower curtain goes inside the tub to keep the floor outside dry. Duh! Doesn't everybody do that? Kind of feel like that would be common knowledge. Right. Right. One more here. Um use a gift card to sign up for free trials online. Some people say it works with an empty visa prepaid card. That way you don't have to worry about forgetting about it and being charged later on. That's brilliant. See? We don't just tell poop jokes and drink around here. <laughs> we learn things. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time
5: greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it. And stick your head out and yell,
0: I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! And now, Cameron and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall
1: on 93 WIBC. We're not gonna take it! For hell, we ain't gonna- it is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Mindy Winkler filling in for Big Nige and joining us in studio. Ready to go off the rails is Rob Kendall. Rob, how are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. They came out a couple weeks ago, fixed my dad's garage opener. It was absolutely incredible. Those guys are the best.
1: They fixed your garage door opener, and then they fixed your dog while they were there. (laughs) They do it all. They're amazing people. Uh, Rob, we could start a number of places here, but let's start close to home. Let's start with your friends, your Euchre partners over there at the Indiana General Assembly (laughs) Mm -hmm. with all of the things going on. Yeah. Property taxes going up. Mm -hmm. Gas tax going up. Oh, yeah. They voted to give themselves a raise.
0: Yeah, so a uh, little birdie, it's, I mean, you may uh, know this, they try to make government everything government as complicated and hard to understand as possible. So you have to have a PhD to know how to read the budget and understand it, and then buried there in the budget, it turned out the House budget has... Uh, one and a half million dollars in raises for the House members. Which, if you take one and a half million and you divide it by a hundred, which is how many House members are, that's fifteen thousand dollars a lawmaker.
1: Now, Rob, do they do the amount of work? To warrant said raise,
0: well, here's what they do. Hammer and look, this is a very—it's a very hard life. Um, they work uh, four days a week. They don't work Fridays, Saturdays, or Sundays. You're kidding. Uh, me. Session will end in April, so that's about three months worth of work. Next year it'll end in March, so that's two months worth of work. And when you put the salary, the per diem, the mileage together, they make about oh, between sixty and seventy thousand dollars as is. So how is know- Nigel not a lawmaker? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, Amber. You know, you 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 have, and you've scaled back a little bit. You do the uh, the DJ business on the weekends. You pulling in uh, sixty grand on your little part time gig there. Not quite. Yes. not quite. So you tack another fifteen on top of that, and they'll be uh, you know seventy five ish thousand dollars a piece for uh, four days worth
2: of work for three months. Can you do you know sign up to do this if no matter if you don't live there?
0: Uh, no, you do have to live in your district now. Do I, uh, if
2: I, What if I just buy a rental house over in the Well, that here, <laughs> well, that's a good question,
0: Mindy, because we're a little unclear. Because of course, Diego Morales took a uh, homestead credit in a county different from where he voted, uh, and he's yet to explain how that happened. So it's probably who you are and who you know. I mean it's kind of a, it's kind of a gray area.
1: <laughs> so aside from giving themselves raises, what are some of the things that we should be keeping our eye on? We've been talking a lot about the uh, education bill, House Bill 1608, which would prohibit people that have children grades kindergarten through third grade being taught sexual things whether it's straight or gay it would be prohibited and somehow rob this has turned into indiana's don't say gay bill
0: yeah i think the republicans like this though i was talking about this the other day i think the republicans like these culture wars and the lunatic left display of madness at the state house because what it does is it keeps people focused on that thing, right? Like, so a day on the radio, we all got absorbed with those total maniacs who want to teach sex to little kids. And what we weren't talking about is how there's no no help for you on property taxes yet. The gas tax is going up. There's record budgets. There's record spending. There's record government. They're putting a half a billion dollars in a slush fund for Holcomb to be able to strong arm farmers out of their land like he did in Boone County. We don't talk about any of that stuff when we get hung up on the lunatic left people coming to the state house yelling because they can't teach Sex
1: to little kids. But don't you have to fight back with those people? Like, I've reached the point where I don't want to try to be nice to these lunatics. And I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can still talk about property tax, but these lunatics that thought I'm going to wake up in the morning, go down to the state house, possibly get thrown out thrown out because I want sex taught to my kindergartner. No, stop being nice to these people.
0: No, I think I think they handled it right, but the problem is what they do with the finances is so egregious, and here's how they get away with it, and this is why they get away with it, and the Democrats, I don't understand this. Like, they just cannot... Like they can't even lie to people. Well, this is this is why people feel, and I know you guys, you know, can weigh in on this. That people be like, well, I have to vote Republican because yes, they're stealing my money. Yes, they're being abusive with my finances. Yes, they're being ter- terrible stewards with the state money. But if I run the risk of the Democrat getting in there, then my little kid, my seven-year-old, is going to be taught sex in public education. Right. So people feel like, well, these guys suck. But I'd rather not have my money than have my kid being taught uh, being taught sex when they're seven years old.
2: Well, and this is one of those hills that I think we should be dying on because sure. that is this is a big deal. And I'm glad you said the age because people think kindergarten, third, they're not really thinking these are little kids yeah. and they don't even understand, you know anything regarding that and they certainly don't need to be hearing it, I don't care what kind of sexuality it is, I don't want them to be just talking about heterosexuality. It's not it's not appropriate for that age.
0: But here's the other problem. If they really wanted to fix the issue, because ultimately this rests at the school boards, right? If the school boards aren't allowing the stuff to happen, if the school boards aren't enacting the policy, then none of this actually exists. So if you wanted to fix the school boards, the obvious and easy solution is to say, in places like Brownsburg, in Avon, in Carmel, in Noblesville, where you, uh, Zionsville, where you have outwardly left maniacs. We finally
2: got it right in Fishers. Yeah, you
0: guys did (laughs) it right, right? Yes. Ben Orr and those guys, that's awesome. But But you have all these other communities communities where these people who couldn't get elected dog catcher if they had to put their party affiliation out there, not only are on these school boards, they run the school boards and they will, the Republicans in the state will not do the thing which would fix that, which is to say we're going to make the school board elections like every other election where you got to say I'm a Republican, a Democrat, Libertarian, and then may the best man or woman win. They will Mm -hmm. not do it because they don't want to actually solve the issue. I think the Republicans get off on these culture war issues because it distracts people from how abusive they are with the money.
1: And speaking of the money. I think I already know the answer to this, but I'm curious as to your response. Any update on property taxes? Uh, Well, Jeff Thompson, who is the head
0: of Ways and Means, who has the creativity and inspiration of that wall I'm looking at over there. (laughs) came out uh, and wrote a, a bill and then they added 65 pages of amendments to the bill and the bill doesn't really help anyone and you know you might get a hundred dollars off the five hundred dollars extra your property taxes are going to go up from the assessment and then he came out and said well even a little bit of help we gave you it's probably not going to be what the bill looks like well okay mr ways and means what's the bill going to look like well we'll let you know in april hey doesn't the session end in april you betcha.
1: <laughs> wow. So if I understand this correctly, we're getting the Black Friday treatment, where something is going to get marked up incredibly high, and then they'll take a couple hundred bucks off of it. Look at your savings. You're welcome. It's the exact same thing they did last year with the tax rebate, in which they're sitting on
0: $1,500 of your money. They give you 200 of it back, and then they throw themselves a parade for giving you 200 of the 1500 they overtax you on. You cannot fix property taxes under the current process by which we we do property taxes which is assessments the problem is that the guy down the street selling your home or selling his home should not affect What you pay in taxes That doesn't Mm -hmm. happen anywhere else But the Republicans are addicted to legalized vote buying And the best way to ensure the legalized vote buying never stops Is to tax you on the things you cannot uh, opt out of And if you look at the two biggest taxes in the state of Indiana What are they? They're property taxes you got to have somewhere to live And now the gas tax Which is going up again The sales tax on gas Because if you're a good, decent, hardworking person you got to drive to work every day Republicans have completely boxed you in And the two- two biggest taxes on the, are on the two things you can't opt out of.
1: Now, somewhere, somebody's in their car, and I bet their head spun around when you said the Republicans are the ones that are addicted to legalized vote-buying. Because maybe this is the case in Indiana. I'm not saying that it's not the case in Indiana, but you look at what's happened in the major national elections. You could make a case that between ballot harvesting and some of the things you're seeing in other states, it's the Democrats who have kind of mastered that craft.
0: Yeah, but there's nothing to talk about here with the Democrats. They don't like they don't exist. They don't they don't control anything. They're because as we talked about, they're parading people down to the statehouse to scream at lawmakers about teaching seven-year-olds about sex.
2: But are you sure about this? Because I mean. Truthfully, do we think that Holcomb is a real Republican? Right.
0: I mean, I mean, he, he wrote this big op-ed where he basically wants the state to be able to take control of immigration because Holcomb's big business buddies are addicted to cheap labor. And, and where so,
1: did that op-ed uh, appear in? Uh, I don't exactly remember
0: what publication he put it out in. It wasn't here in Indy, though. Yeah, it was a national publication, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like you're you're saying, okay, so you're you're the governor of the state. You've got seven million legal people in this state. And you are not focused on the crises that are right in front of you. Like, number one should be the property taxes. Old people, the elderly, the fixed income people. I mean, we're all not doing as well as Mindy is doing. You know, the, the property tax increases. Mindy
1: Winkler and her Ferrari, her all gold not, rocket car a, parked on P1. I
2: have a Hyundai with a split across the entire front windshield. She, she rolls in here today
1: and she goes, you unbelieve how much money my husband is making.
2: That's why I get to play. I don't bring it. But she (laughs) has a
1: purse made from panda hair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is
0: that Gucci? No, it's Gucci. <laughs> I
2: tell you, this person's from Walmart, by the way.
0: <laughs> but, but, he, but he's not focused on that. He's focused on his time and attention and his op-ed is focused on how do I take control of immigration so I can let more illegal immigrants work in this state? I mean, it's just weird.
1: So when are you going into this Brownsburg Council meeting and doing your Braveheart speech?
0: <laughs> well, t- to steal a quote from the uh, great Alice Cooper, more, no more Mr. Nice Guy.
1: <laughs> What's going nice? on?
0: You've uh, well, been nice? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've been trying to be very nice for the past couple months. To To who? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have...
2: Uh, <laughs> He's nice to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there, we got a, a little issue, and by a little issue, I mean a big issue with transparency on property that somebody owns that is in a position of power, and they have not disclosed that to anybody. And then finally, I made them so enraged that they got off the dais at the last council meeting, came down to the lectern, and said they were speaking as a citizen, that they uh, didn't disclose it because the town attorney had told them they didn't have to disclose it, which opened up a whole bunch of other question. So, here's the thing, Hammer. I'm a believer in last chances, and so tonight, because I all know they'll know about this. Old second
1: chance Kendall yeah. over there.
0: I'm going to go to that council meeting, and one final time, I've sent emails and gotten no response. I have asked at the council meetings and gotten no response. And I'm going to give them one last chance at the council meeting to answer the questions which every person on that governing body should want to know about. And then, if indeed they don't answer, then I'm done being nice. And I'm not going to say the whole three hours of Monday's radio show is going to be dedicated (laughs) to it. But I'm also not saying that that's not going to happen.
1: You announced on the air this past week that you will be having a daughter. Yes. So, fast forward years from now. I don't think Mindy was aware of that. I was not. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) Some of us have other jobs. Fast forward years from now, let's say daughter Kendall, yeah. she comes to you, Dad. Are you really going to go to that council Don't meeting you. and call everybody a pain in the ass yeah. again? So my, do- <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's so embarrassing. Will you please stop? So one of the things I've done, which has been very helpful for me, I originally started it for my daughter, but it proved to be helpful for me as well. Is I'm journaling every day. To my daughter about what is going on in the world as she prepares to enter the world, and one of the things that I've talked about, her middle name is Thatcher for Margaret Thatcher, and I've told her that we, I, I, I my wife got to pick the first name, I got to pick the middle name, and I picked that as a, a middle name because I want her to always be reminded to do not what is easy, but what is right. And if you are blessed with the opportunity to be a voice for other people who either cannot or will not, for a variety of reasons, speak for themselves, then you always have an obligation to do that. And I feel like with the platform that I have, I am blessed with the ability to speak for people who can't speak for themselves.
1: I can just see though, 12 years from now, she's gonna to come to you in the kitchen Dad, did you call that guy in the Brownsburg Council meeting senior taint? Did you do that?
2: Ear that or she's going to be the complete opposite. And she's going to be one that's instigating it. Dad, you're really going to put up with this. Let's go. Oh, that's
1: it. Her rebellion period. She's going to turn into Rachel Maddow. That's totally happening, Rob. I'm kind of picturing it being like Steve Buscemi in The Wedding Singer
0: where I just get up with the lector and go, I'm the best man, the better better man.
1: man. (laughs) Well, congratulations to you and your better half. Thank you. Yes, thank you you.
0: And uh, thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Mike Kendall was thoroughly pleased with how they put his garage door opener back on the right track. Rob Kendall, you're the best. Thank Thank you, you, my friend.
1: It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.